Hey, what's up? Hello. We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael, and we've got plenty to talk about on this Monday evening. It's kind of late. I, I meant to actually record this earlier, so it's a, it's a late night pod. So who knows what will happen on the late night pods. Hopefully everybody has had some time to kind of just digest, I suppose. I mean, obviously we got some pretty bad news on Friday or disappointing news, I should say, you know, with the with everything that's going on in the world, you know, football games are not, you know, paramount. They're not the most important thing in the world. But as a football guy, as somebody that does this for a living, definitely discouraging, definitely discouraging to see uh, the most important rivalry game to be played in Fort Collins in two decades get canceled, I guess. I, I don't like saying canceled just yet, because even though everything that's been announced, we've seen so many weird things happen. Like if the season gets moved to the spring or something, maybe it'll maybe it'll still happen or maybe by some like miracle they can figure out a way to to work it out. I I really doubt it. It really doesn't seem like it at this point. I'm not even sure if we're going to have conference games but i don't know just disappointing disappointing but now that everybody's had some time to kind of digest it i'm sure you know that the emotion's not quite as high <laughs> i saw a lot of people you know posting like oh so you probably came up with covid to get out of this and i know it, it's all jokes but just cracked me up it's obviously not you know it's not that type of situation it's it's a decision, you know, based by the Pac-12, but like, you know, like I talked about the other day, it's just kind of a a very convenient get out of jail free card for the Buffs cuz obviously, you know, they didn't they didn't choose this. Even Rick George in his media availability today said that he regrets the fact that the game's not going to happen, but even so, you know, nice and convenient if you're CSU, I'll, I'll at least let the Ram fans you know, have that argument. I'm not going to say that's not wrong because it is, you know, it's totally true. Under under any under other circumstance, CU would have to come to Fort Collins and it's a, it's a freak situation where they can not only get out of the game and avoid it, but not even have to be the bad guys in doing so. So that's, I don't want to say lucky because it's a pandemic, you know what I mean? Like that just seems kind of tone deaf, but it is a small break for them in terms of scheduling. I'll say that that that's the way to put it, but either way, it just sucks. You know, it sucks for the Ram fans. It sucks for the players it sucks for Adazio. Obviously there would be a ton of interest in that game. It sucks for the athletic department, which would have made a ton of revenue on that game. So just a lot of, a lot of unanswered questions for CSU and CSU football, CSU athletics as a whole, it's really, really going to be an interesting couple of months. There was a, a very interesting piece put out by the University of Cincinnati athletic director that just kind of really emphasized the the financial impact of college football. And, you know, it was, it was kind of unique. It was, it was pretty transparent. You know, I appreciated it. But he also made the point that it's it's not as simple of an argument as, well, we have to play from revenue. You know, there's there's a lot of factors that go into it. So... I highly recommend that you go check it out. It's, you know, I'm not going to like go over it in detail and stuff because this is a CSU podcast, but check it out. Anyways, going to be talking about Phil Steele today. Uh, 13 Rams in total make his all Mountain West teams. Going to go over 
just kind of what my takeaways are. I mean, anybody at this point, you know, you can Google who they are, but you know, I'll read them, but it's more going to be like my takeaways and, and just kind of what I think this means because, you know, Phil Steele, he's a guy who he gets kind of unparalleled access in terms of talking to all these coaches. So while I, a lot of the times I don't really put very much, you know, weight into these preseason lists, the Phil Steele ones are just a little different. You know, the, the season slots get played out at the end of the day. It's still like this dude's opinion, but it's a very informed opinion. He obviously gets to talk to all these coaches. So, you know, if he says something, it's it's probably because, you know, the coaches led him to believe that these players are are going to play. So I don't know why I'm rambling about it now. I'll talk about it more in detail in a little bit. Uh, before we get into that, though, <laughs> some, some quality trolling from, from Tyler Calhoun, the son of Troy Calhoun. Uh, he plays at Palmer Ridge, teammates with Luke McAllister, Caden Dudley as well. Tyler Calhoun posted this morning, Fans of the state universities in Colorado chirp a lot about football for being mediocre at best with a yawn emoji and the the crying laughing emoji. Now, there were a couple of responses that were like, oh, he's just salty about his dad, you know, not getting the job. Troy Calhoun was obviously linked to that open buffs position once Mel Tucker decided to head on out for greener pastures, if you will. But I, I thought this was really funny. There were, I don't know, I said it was A-plus trolling, and, and some people pointed out that there's better examples of trolling or whatever. You know, it's Twitter. You can't ever satisfy anybody. I was just trying to point out that I thought it, that it you know, made me LOL, that I thought it was good for laughs. But he does have a point, you know, Air Force 9-1 and one against CU and CSU in their last 10 games overall, 8-2 and two against CSU in their last 10 games beat the buffs in Boulder last year. That game went to overtime, but really Air Force pretty much controlled it for for all four quarters. So if we're being honest, Air Force does reign top dog in the state and they pretty much have for the last 15 years at least. You know, they've been definitely the most consistent. They've gone to the most bowl games. They've won some bowl games. They fared really well against, you know, power programs. I think back to when they played you know, a top 10 Oklahoma team back in the day and lost by like a field goal. They've hung tough on the road at Michigan, a couple of other places as well. Air Force is just one of those weird teams that they always have CSU's number. They they usually have CU's number when they play. They usually face pretty well against, you know, the, the big boys whenever they go, you know, face a big 10 team or something like that. They rarely get you know, embarrassed or beat 50 to 10 or something like that. Even if they lose it, it, it's usually a respectable performance. And the weird thing is though, they always lose like a really winnable game too. I don't know what it is about Air Force. You know, they'll, they'll beat a Boise state and, and they'll dominate CSU and they'll hang pretty well against, you know, Colorado and, and everyone else. And then, you know, they'll lose to someone like, Nevada or not necessarily like a bad team, but just like a really winnable game at home. It's really weird. It's kind of like, you know, even in those great years, they, they always just have like one or two of those super weird losses. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's a lot of times it's a mountain West team. It feels like, or, or sometimes it's, you know, the other service academies. I think they've struggled with Navy a little bit at times, but air force, what an, what an interesting situation. Um, I did think it was funny, though. I, I thought it was a funny tweet by Tyler Calhoun. I'm all for 
any like petty tweets like that that are obviously in jest and good fun. You know, Luke McAllister, his teammate, replied, oh, so it's like that now. So I just, I love that kind of stuff. Anything that makes it feel like we are in college football without it being, you know, aggressive or like, y'all are, y'all know what Twitter is. It can be a total cesspool. So I just think stuff like this is, is awesome. It's the same thing like with chance at games. I really, really love just dumb chance. I think it's, I think it's really, really stupid when people, you know, chant really like mean, aggressive things. But, you know, hey, your your shoe's untied or just dumb stuff like that. I think it's funny. But uh, anyway, speaking of Palmer Ridge, Caden Dudley, really highly touted local wide receiver. Ram fans have been tweeting at him like crazy. He posted that he is going to announce where he is committing this Thursday. going to do it live via station in Colorado Springs, K-O-A-A. Ram fans obviously going to, you know, have their their eyes on this. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more in detail tomorrow, I believe. But I did just kind of want to mention that he is going to commit on Thursday. Right now it's down to Washington State, Boise State, CSU, and Arizona. He obviously was committed to CU at one point, but I think I think the Rams got a really good shot. You know, I just, I wouldn't undersell that chemistry that he already has with McAllister. I think naturally you're going to like all of the love that you're receiving from the CSU fans. Not to say that, you know, Boise State fans, Arizona State fans, Washington State fans aren't tweeting at him also, but just at least based on what I've seen in his mentions and stuff, really, really heavy, really, really uh, a lot of love from Ram fans. But I did just kind of briefly want to mention a couple of things about this. Like I said, I am going to talk about you know, him more, you know, as a player, what I think he brings to the table in the next couple of days. But I just think this is a good reminder for two things. And that's one, no matter what school he ends up picking, whatever, no matter where Caden Dudley ends up, be cool about it. You know, there's nothing lamer than the dude that tweets at an 18-year-old, big mistake, or like, can't believe you didn't pick my school, or whatever. You know, the, the dude's 18 years old. He's got a bunch of scholarship offers. He deserves to go wherever he wants. And just don't be that lame that has to tweet, you know, like, oh, biggest mistake of your life or whatever. It's just lame. Like, be better than that. Even if you feel that way, you know, if three years from now, let's say, if he goes somewhere else and, you know, he gets you know, shut down by a CSU corner, if you want to chant that or you want to yell it from the stands, like, hey, should have picked the Rams or something. That's one thing, but it's just so lame when you see people chime in on Twitter. You don't know these people. You don't know what went into the decision. So just keep that in consideration. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, also on top of that, just with recruiting in general, you know, if, if Dudley commits, be super pumped. He's, he's a great local wide receiver. I'm really high on what he brings to the table. I think, you know, getting a guy that already has chemistry with a quarterback that you're signing, that makes a ton of sense. But also, though, whether it's Caden, whether it's McAllister, whether it's anybody in this recruiting class, there's a lot of dudes that I've talked up. You got to also remember to not, you know, create unrealistic expectations that these athletes will, will have a tough time living up to. At the end of the day, you know, you've still got to go out and earn it on the field and you've got to prove yourself. And, and, and until then, it's hype. Some of it is justified hype. But just just keep things in perspective. Try to keep as level head as possible. I'm I'm all for excitement, especially right now with everything 
God, it's just such disappointment all across the board when it comes to like the news, everything that's going on. So I'm not going to discourage getting excited about your favorite football team. I never will do that. I just think we do got to manage expectations is all because you don't want to create a situation where they have these you know, you have these crazy expectations that they won't be able to live to, you know, go like win a Heisman or something or come in and immediately win like 11 games. You just got to remember, you know, it's they're 18 at the end of the day, like it's still got to translate. You can be excited, but when it comes to recruiting, it's, it's all kind of a crapshoot. And I just think we got to learn to, to keep a more level perspective in general. I don't know. That's, that's all I'm saying, but we're going to get into that Phil Steele stuff. I actually rambled for a little bit longer than I intended to in this first segment. Ugh, it's been one a it's been a weird day. I don't know about you guys, but I've just been binging all kinds of shows. Whether it's right now, I'm really hooked on How I Met Your Mother. I'm actually going to talk about that tomorrow. Just some underrated comedy comedies or just bingeable shows in general that people can check out this summer or potentially this fall, depending on what's happening. But How I Met Your Mother really, really holds up. It, I will say it loses some steam after the sixth season or so. Uh, once they start like moving around a bunch and, you know, Marshall and Lily live at the apartment, then they don't, then they come back, then they get the house and they want out of it. Just a little bit too much moving around for me. But I don't know if it's just because I'm, it's because I'm older and I identify with the characters more now than, than when I was in high school, but I just really like this show. I think it I think just think it's really relatable in general. Just the the process of trying to find yourself in your 20s and what it's like when you're like the single dude and everybody around you is in relationships and you're focused on your career and all the dynamics that go into that. I don't know, you know, as a as a guy that that focuses all of his time on on college sports and not so much on going out and then you know when I get together with my friends and they're all coupled up and stuff. I can uh, I can very much sympathize with Ted Mosby in that show. I wish I sympathized more with Barney Stinson since he's obviously, you know, the badass playboy and all that. I mean, there's obviously an argument that he's kind of emotionally crippled, but he's he's awesome. I just I just love Neil Patrick Harris in that role. He absolutely I love Neil Patrick Harris and everything. I just love that dude. I think he's hilarious. But if you haven't watched High Metro Mother, go check it out. I think it holds up pretty well especially compared to, you know, some of the other sitcoms from from that era haven't held up as well. Others have, you know, like The Office, 30 Rock, those shows have really held up. But I've also watched a lot of golf, way more golf. I think I've watched more golf in the last month than like the last two years combined, other than Tiger's Masters run, because I think everybody in America was watching that entire weekend. But Man, it's it's crazy. It wasn't even on TV. I was streaming golf. I've never done that in my entire life, but I, I did it over the weekend, and I'm glad I did because Colin Morikawa, man, what a freaking stud. If you listen to the DNVR Bets podcast, my man RK was all over him. I actually put a little bit of money on him to win on Sunday. He was a couple strokes down, I think three strokes down going into Sunday, and he ended up making a crazy comeback. He was also a couple of strokes down after like the 15th hole, just, just an amazing performance. Took a couple of lucky breaks, you know, needed some guys to miss some putts and it, and it all came together for him. But just a, just a really fun dude. Strikes the ball really well. I'm, I'm not a golf expert. I won't, 
you know, act like I'm a genius, but just watching him, you know, you can tell something's a little bit different about that guy. And uh, I saw this really interesting stat from at Justin Ray Golf on Twitter, and that is Colin Morikawa now has two wins and just one miscut since turning pro. Uh, comparatively, you know, he's the first golfer to do so since Tiger Woods, but Tiger Woods won 43 times before he missed the cut for the first time as a pro. I'm going to say that again. Tiger Woods, he won, won the entire tournament 43 times before missing the cut for the second time as a professional. That is absolutely insane. I've always appreciated Tiger's greatness, but I'm not sure even I recognized how significant it was. I mean, who else is that dominant in their sport? The Patriots, but that's kind of a different situation. It's a team sport. I guess you could make the argument for Brady, but even him, it's not like it it was that dominant. Like there were always other great quarterbacks that you could relatively, you know, accurately compare him to. Tiger's just in a class all his own. It's it's him. It's him and nobody else. That stat is just insane. Shout out to Justin Ray Golf for posting that because it blew my mind. Just a crazy stat. Speaking of golf, though, my DraftKings pick of the week. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But first, can you feel it? The excitement and anticipation has been growing for weeks and the time is almost here. That's right, baseball is coming back next week and our team will be taking the field in less than 10 days. God, I miss the Rockies. There's no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They'll put you right in the center of the action and they're celebrating the new season with a special promotion. Promosen, making up words here. Before the season starts, place a bet of at least $25 on who will be crowned the champion, and they'll give you a $25 free bet to use on opening day. I think I'm going to have to take advantage of that. Probably going to have to put it on the Dodgers, which, you know, wah, wah, wah. It's a smart bet. While we are all excited for baseball, don't forget that there's European soccer happening all week long and a huge golf tournament that is sure to be thrilling. Tiger's back. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, you know, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. I love that. Don't like using sketchy sites. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That code DNVR will get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Whew. I did so bad on UFC 251. I had two parlays that would have hit if it wasn't for that janky decision on the Holloway fight. He won, right? Did he, like... I, I, everyone on Twitter seemed to agree with me that it should have been Holloway 3-2. Much like golf, I don't, I don't claim to be a, a mixed martial arts guru, but I do, I've been watching a lot lately. And I, I thought Holloway got absolutely jobbed. And man, Usman just absolutely dominated Masvidal. I was way too high on Masvidal. I'll admit, you know, I'm, I'm, I was completely, completely wrong about that fight. 
Usman dominated it from start to finish, completely in control. Kind of a boring style, but hey, a win's a win, and, and he proved that. While I haven't had a lot of luck betting on UFC lately, I've been on fire when it comes to golf. I've picked four consecutive tournament winners in a row. Not trying to toot my own horn, but actually I am. Probably totally just jinx myself, but that's okay. My DraftKings pick of the week. I'm going Tiger Woods, and I'm not I'm not gonna pick him to win, although I mean it's Tiger, you never know. I'm kind of tempted to throw a little bit on it. Probably pick him to like finish in the top 10 or something like that. But with my DraftKings pick of the week, I'm going Tiger just to make the cut. Now, this this is listed at minus 345. So if you're looking at that, you know, not a lot of value. But there is an odds boost for DraftKings users that boosts it up to plus 125. And at that point, I just think it's worth it. You know, he's obviously hasn't played since February. Need, you know, you're counting on him coming back strong. But it's Tiger, you know, you're not, you're, you're not taking him to win. You're not taking him to finish top five even. All he's got to do is make the cut. I feel pretty secure in that. So I'm taking that for my DraftKings pick of the week. Tiger Woods to make the cut. Boosted at plus 125. Go and make that money, honey. Cool, 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 cool might be the longest podcast I've ever made without referencing Jake Peralta. I don't know. Maybe not. Let's let's talk Phil Steele and the all-Mountain West teams. The purpose of this podcast. Finally, 20 minutes in. Rams, uh, they had 13 players selected in total. Technically 12 because Dante Wright's on there twice. But... You know, 13 Rams in position slots would be, I guess, the way to, to phrase that. One of the quirky position things with these lists, whatever. Anyways, there, there's the first team, guys, not very surprising. Manny Jones did make it. You know, like I talked about with Andre, I think last week with some of the guys that we think have the most NFL draft potential going into the season. Manny's flashed a bunch. He has all the ability of the world. I mean, you've seen him just absolutely dominate at times. But then there have been, you know, other moments where he just kind of disappears. So we're looking for more consistency out of Manny Jones. Obviously, Phil Steele thinks that it's coming. It wouldn't be surprising to me. Manny is the lone Ram on the defensive side that made the first team, though. Offensively, you have Warren Jackson, which, I mean, duh. Tight end Trey McBride. Also, duh. I mean, there's an argument that Warren is the best wide receiver in the Mountain West. I think a really strong argument. I mean, there's an argument that he's the best G5 wide receiver and one of, you know, the top five to ten guys, you know, top ten guys in the in the entire country. So no duh, he's on the all Mountain West first team list. Trey McBride, same deal. We all saw just how dominant Trey can be. If they get him involved more in the passing game early this season, he could put up just monster numbers. I think both of those dudes are no-brainers. I bragged about Trey McBride and Warren Jackson for, God, I don't know, the last year. So if you you don't know how I feel about those guys, listen to the podcast more. Uh, Punter Ryan Stonehouse, obviously, you know, best punter in the Mountain West, one of the best punters in the country. CSE, man, always, always producing quality punters. You go back really the last 20 years even, they've been... Pretty consistent at that position. Now, kicker, 
has been a has been a different story. There have been a couple of decent ones there too. Probably Jared Roberts would have been the the best most recent kicker. I don't know. I'm getting completely off track here. But those those are the four guys on the first team: Warren Jackson, Manny Jones, Trey McBride, Ryan Stonehouse. Not much to take away there, other than you know Phil Still seems to think that Manny Jones is going to put it together in a big way. Significant that that he's on the first team, mostly just because it, it's primarily like San Diego State and Boise State. They have seven of the the first team guys on defense, so just good to see that the Rams are represented on there, even if. He is he's definitely higher on the offense as a whole. Flipping things over to the second team, you've got Patrick O'Brien making it as the second team quarterback. I don't think this is shocking either. Maybe a little surprising to some folks around the Mountain West that he ended up getting the, the second team nod. Uh, you could look at somebody like Donald Hammond at Air Force, which actually the Mountain West Wire referenced in their, in their written piece about the, the players that were selected to this. Go check them out. I got a lot of friends at the Mountain West Wire. But, you know, Patrick, another year and <laughs> another system for him, unfortunately. The dude has played in a different offense like every year of his <laughs> collegiate career. But I do think the famili- familiarity with the wide receivers should help him quite a bit. Should be pretty confident. It's going to be a situation where I do think Todd Santeo might see some action on the field, and I think they'll try and mix him in, especially in camp whenever that does happen. But just given everything that's going on, the lack of practice that Santeo is going to have going into the season, assuming there even is a season, I just think it's going to be really hard for him to surpass O'Brien. And, and beyond that, I just I, I'm pretty confident that you know O'Brien is, is is competent enough to to really have a pretty decent year. He's got great talent at the skill position. Got a really really big arm. You know, as Andre talked about, needs to get more consistent with his footwork, and that's going to help his accuracy generally needs to just run the offense better than he did at the beginning. But we we saw him kind of come into his own as a leader at the end of last season. That Fresno State game in particular was really great stuff. So not surprising at all. I think Patrick should have a good year, especially just given the talent that they have at wide receiver. And I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better. I think you've got better coaching. I think they've brought in some some guys that's really going to help. And that actually segues pretty well into the next guy who's Elijah Johnson, maybe a little bit of a surprise, the the Boston College transfer that actually we just wrote about last week. Obviously, Phil Steele knew ahead of time this guy was coming. It wasn't exactly a secret. There were other reporters that referenced it. Three Boston College O-linemen in total transferring out to CSU. But, you know, if he stays healthy, he could end up being the biggest addition of the offseason, <laughs> literally and figuratively, dude with a massive frame. He started double-digit games in the ACC as a true freshman, but just hasn't been able to stay healthy. If he, if he figures it all out, it, it could be really big. And obviously, the O-line has just been really down for, for the last couple of years, and Adazio's been pretty open about how he wants to improve that. But interesting that Phil Steele is that high on Elijah Johnson, expecting him to be healthy enough to not only start but be productive enough to to end up finishing second team all conference. That just really jumped out to me. You know, I'm I'm intrigued by Elijah's by his potential. I think it's going to help that he's already going to be familiar familiar with the coaches, the terminology, all that type of stuff. But just interesting that that Phil Steele is high enough on him to to list him in the second team. Moving off that, we've got linebacker Daquan Jackson. 
Daquan was great last year. 87 total tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Uh, one of the really just most consistent pieces on the defense last year. If he, if he can build off, off of that, I, I don't think it would be surprising at all for him to really just have another quality season. Long snapper, Ross Reeder, extremely solid. Can't think of any bad snaps he's had that have you know impacted punts or anything like that. So nice to see him get the recognition. Long snappers don't get a lot of love. He's been really solid throughout his career. The fifth Ram that ended on second team is a little surprising to me. It's Dante Wright, but not as a wide receiver. Dante made the third team as a wide receiver, but he made the second team as a punt returner. And and the only reason that this is interesting, and, and I mean absolutely no disrespect to Dante, because I do think, you know, tremendous athlete, one of the most exciting players on the team, all kinds of potential, really good dude. You know, I can't say enough good things about him. Just what's interesting, uh, of all the roles that he filled last year, I'd say arguably punt returning was what he was worst at. Like, you know, he made a great impact as a wide receiver. I think they could use him more in sweeps and stuff. And I think the potential is there as as a punt returner, just given how twitchy he is, obviously has great speed, can make guys miss, all that. But there were times where he had you know, uh, just a trouble fielding the ball. So I don't know. It's it just a little interesting that they put him as a second team guy. I would have put him as second team, but for wide receiver and then put him as third team on punt return, just, you know, based on potential alone. So I guess I'm nitpicking here at this point. You know, Dante's a, you know, game changing athlete. So it's not surprising that he's listed as a punt return. I just thought it was interesting that he's listed second team for that and third team for wide receiver. But I suppose that could also, you know, be influenced by who the other wide receivers are. Also on third team, wide receiver Nate Craig Myers. Now, Nate, he had 23 catches last year, 239 yards, only one touchdown. Came on really strong when Patrick O'Brien took over initially, uh, really shined in that Toledo game, played pretty well against Utah State as well. He's just got to stay healthy. You know, if, if he can be healthy, this dude can be a beast. I've seen it in practice. You know, he has the size. He moves well enough. He, he runs crisp routes. He's got solid hands. I think Nate Craig Myers could be in for a big season, so it was encouraging to see him on there as well. But also this, this Rams team, they're just kind of a really deep wide receiver room in general. You've got Warren. you got Dante Wright, Nate Craig Myers, Ty McCulloch, who I'm pretty excited about. But there, there are all kinds of dudes coming up as well. Bunch of really talented sophomores. It's going to be interesting. Third team, DL Scott Patchen. Interesting that they've got the Miami transfer defensive lineman on here. Why is this significant? Well, it, it shows that Phil still thinks he's going to play a lot. You know, he played in 23 games over the last two years for Miami. Recorded 63 total tackles, eight and a half for a loss, and three and a half sacks. So, Actually, pretty decent production in the ACC, if we're being honest. We have seen plenty of times where someone, you know, they transfer in from a big program, they have all this hype, and then they can't really live up to it. Fatone Bauta comes to example, TJ Roundtree, you know, Fatone coming from Georgia, TJ coming from Louisville. Everyone just kind of assumes that, you know, they're going to be ball, they're going to ball out. They're going to be Preston Williams, but that's not always the case. So, much like recruiting, I just like to temper expectations when it comes to stuff like this. Be excited. He obviously, he's shown that he can play, can make an impact. And if he can produce like he did in the ACC in the Mountain West, he could actually be, 
just a phenomenal addition, but there've been plenty of other guys that have just kind of come in and, and been middle of the road, middle of the road type guys. You know, what you're hoping for is someone like Jordan Fogel that can come in and, and be a starter, make an immediate impact, but we'll just see, you know, there, there's a couple other guys, Toby McBride, uh, Ellison Hubbard, Aiden Colon. I, I just a couple of guys to look out for. That's all. Finally, last round, you've got Logan Stewart. Talked about him a little bit with uh, some NFL potential with Andre. Underrated athlete, really underrated speed. I love the way he pursues. You know, I I really like Logan Stewart. I think he's a great safety. One actually, one of the better safeties that CSU's had in in recent years. I think some of the other guys get kind of overhyped a little bit for their ability to lay a big hit and not necessarily be, you know, all purpose, really well-rounded type safeties. He's not necessarily like a thumper. He's a guy who he can hit you. Don't, don't get me wrong, but he's more of like that float around ball hawk, make tackles, uh, Justin Simmons type. I mean, Simmons is really good, so <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to hype him up too much, but I think Logan Stewart is is just a really competent starting safety. Could be in for a big year. Could really help his his draft stock, his NFL potential if he ends up putting up big numbers. So hoping hoping that he does. Also, just a good dude. You know, one of those guys that gives great interviews. Really, really respectful. Maybe like the most respectful guy on the entire team. If we're being honest, like when you talk to Logan Stewart, he does not break eye contact with you. It's it's almost like you're talking to like a military drill sergeant. Just you know, you you have his undivided attention, and I'll, I'll be honest, it's it's really refreshing given how many people, younger people, I interview that just clearly don't talk to other human beings in person very frequently. But Logan is not one of those dudes. Great interview, great teammate, and like I said, just an underrated athlete. So it, it would be cool to see him have a, a nice senior season. Final takeaways, uh, no no Barry Wesley, a little bit surprising. Not a lot of love for the Rams' Swiss Army knife of the offensive line. I still expect him to start this year, even with all of the other transfers that have come in. Very clear that Phil Steele is pretty high on the Rams' offense. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, just given you know how many of the skill guys made the cuts. No running backs, that's a little in- interesting. Only one offensive lineman in total, but when you got a QB on second team, three wide receivers and a tight end on first team, you you should be putting up some points. And honestly, that's why I think CSU can be pretty good. That's why I thought they had a really good chance in the showdown. Unfortunately, now that it's not happening, you know, I, I just think CU would have had kind of a difficult time matching up. I think the Buffs defense is, is a strong suit for them. It's definitely better than their offense, but I just felt good about that matchup week one everything that happened with the chaos and that Buffs coaching staff. They don't even really have a quarterback. I just, it really felt like all things were shaping up CSU for that matchup. And it's been a long time since I felt that way. Getting back on track, uh, like I mentioned earlier, seven first team defenders between Boise State and San Diego State. Why is that important? Well, CSU plays both of them. So that definitely stands out to me. But I really noticed though, 21 of the 22 first team defenders listed by Phil Steele, CSU has to play this season. So as, as good as this offense is, as excited as I am about the skill position, they're going to play some really legit defenses. San Diego State is stacked. Boise State is stacked. Both of them just have great athletes all over the field. Secondaries are, are really legit. Wyoming has a really stout front seven. Air Force's defense has a lot of experience. The only, uh, the only defender not 
the or the only defender that the Rams do not have to play this season that made one of the first two teams is defensive back Cortez Davis out of Hawaii. He's on the second team. 21 other guys CSU has to face. So, yes, there's a lot of talent, but they are going to play some legit defenses, even if it's a conference only schedule. Keep that in mind this year. You know, it's it's Adazio's first season. I think a lot of people are intrigued by what he's doing as a recruiter. I think what he's shown in, in the past as a guy that can develop talent, I think there's reason to believe that he's a guy that can have some success here. But just given everything that's going on, it's already going to be weird with practice and managing coronavirus and all that. On top of that, you're going to have to play some really legit defenses this year. Could be tough. Could be tough. That's all I'm saying. We'll be back. We're going to be talking more Caden Dudley throughout the week. Ram fans are obviously really excited about that. Going to get a couple of guests on. Should be fun. Plenty of content. Also going to publish the all-time tight ends piece and talk about the basketball tournament a little bit. I've been floating the idea for a couple of years that CSU needs to start a tournament. It seems like there's some momentum happening towards that. I don't know if you paid attention on Twitter. Some of the former Rams were kind of tweeting back and forth. Aaron Katsuma, he tweeted that that they're putting something together. So I'm, I'm working on getting a little bit more info on that before I speak more on it. But hey, maybe I can get him on the podcast even to talk about it. That's actually a great idea. Thinking out loud. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be back with more Rams content throughout the week. Hope everybody is staying safe out there. You know, protect your chickens, protect your mentals, and tell somebody you love them. You know, I, I posted on Twitter earlier today. Unfortunately, the CU Independent, they, if, if you didn't notice, or just if, if you're unaware, I should say, uh, Griffin, Griffin Rucker, who was an assistant editor with the CU Independent, the student newspaper at the University of Colorado, recently took his own life. And one, I, I want to just say that, that my thoughts are, are with everybody in the CU independent community, the Rucker family, my buffs friends in the media that knew him, and, you know, just everybody impacted. It's, it's been a really hard year for so many people. And I think it's really, you know, I don't think, I know it's really, really hard to admit that you need help, that you're struggling it's difficult to put yourself in that vulnerable position as somebody that's that's really you know battled depression and anxiety for his entire adult life i i know what this process is like and i just know how empty that that you can feel even with people around you i just hope that people know that there are folks out there that care about them that love them if you're feeling alone don't hesitate to reach out. And I know everybody says that. And unfortunately, it's it's usually after a tragedy. It's usually too late. But if you're struggling, if you need someone, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. I'll, I, I will absolutely do my best to be there for you. I know that there are tons of other people in the CSU community that would do the same. I just want you guys to know that, you know, I love you. I appreciate you. I care about you. It's not just you know, we are legitimately a community. And all of you guys matter to me. And and even if I don't know you, I just I, I want you to know that there are people out there that are thinking of you that that want you to succeed in life, that want you to be happy, and that just want you to know that, you know, this this feeling of hopelessness, of sadness, it's it's not gonna be forever. Just don't try and go at it alone. It's it's so hard. 
And I wasted a lot of time being miserable trying to go at it alone. So if, if you're struggling, there, there are tons of resources out there. Just, just know that you don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to shoulder the burden alone. All right, we'll be back. I love you guys. Wear a mask. Stay safe.